Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters. Satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Joined today, as always, on the Wednesday episode with Dalton Del Don. Dalton, you know what satisfied me today? What's up, Matt? Um, you know what satisfied me today is being able to wake up, uh, you know, with the um, with the with the Patriots pulling the game out last night because, and, but the fact that it was close, right? Because that means we definitely get another week of Adam Gase, and this guy, like, is just what a gem. Like, I almost at this point don't want Adam Gase to be fired because, you know, it's great this morning we've got him talking about, like, all the rookies that the that the Jets have. It'll be great to develop for future seasons. And it's like, is Adam Gase, like, the, is this performance art at this point? Or does he really believe he's got a chance to stick around? Do the Jets really believe he's got a chance to stick around? I was also reading, too, this this morning, or maybe it was late last night. It's hard to remember. Um you know, that that maybe there's a chance that Peyton Manning could, you know, become a front office official with the Jets, thereby like his guy Gate, because apparently Peyton Manning's like legit the only guy that's enjoyed working with Adam Gase. And I guess Peyton's opinion kind of matters because he's like a Hall of Famer or whatever. But well, he made he made Gase a lot of money, right? Isn't that like the one year Gase was the offensive coordinator yeah. there? Peyton Manning went called all the plays and went crazy, and that's why we're talking about Gase, right? Yeah, and he still apparently is the guy that calls around every time Gase is on the a coaching hunt and like feverishly endorses this dude so i mean what if what if we've got a situation where it's like peyton manning is the you know john elway style football czar for the new york jets and then we've got adam gase still around and you know what thinking about that and like the comedy of errors that would come with that and then you know trevor lawrence somehow is like all right you know what peyton manning's involved with this i'm going to new york too just the comedy of errors that that would be i find that to be very satisfying I like it. And it is performance art with the Jets right now. No doubt about it. But um, I'm glad you were satisfied, Harmon, as someone who faded the Steelers and the Patriots in Survivor. Um, I'm decidedly unsatisfied. Very, very frustrated. I won't tell you who I went with instead. It was the Cardinals. Um, and I'm very, oh. very, it's just so annoying, dude. The Steelers and Patriots both should have lost those games. And anyway, I'm glad you're satisfied, Matt. That makes one of us. Yeah, that makes one of us. Man, I can't believe you were the Cardinal. That's so aggressive. Like, oh, man, but that was a fun game, though. That was a fun game. I, I know I could hear you that, like, obviously Tua coming in that game not looking so good, but that was a fun one to watch. You know, that it was, was a pot typical... odds play, and I specifically went against the Steelers and Patriots this week. I thought they were live dogs the other way, and they both literally were down with two minutes left. It, very, it's a, Yeah, it was dumb. Yeah, whatever. It was a pot odds play that did not work my way. That's okay. It was one of those, you know, classic – 
Well, league's in good hands with these two young quarterbacks going uh, head to head, but it was a fun game to watch. Uh, nevertheless, well, Dalton, we've got a special episode for the people today. As always, you and I are going to talk about the stats that we loved and hated about week nine and heading into week 10, but stick around everyone for the end of the show, because we have a great interview with Brian Fischler. Well, who is Brian Fischler? You may ask he's among many things, a comedian, He's a podcaster, but most importantly for our purposes in this conversation, he's a fantasy football commissioner. And yeah, sure. What do you, fantasy football commissioner? You're like, well, who cares? There's thousands of those out there. Well, except the league he runs is not like yours because Brian is the commish of an all blind fantasy football league, which is exactly what it sounds like, uh, made up of a bunch of folks who are blind. Uh, Brian, as well as the other managers of this league, you know, they, they're, they're operating on a different plane uh, than we all are. And I think it's cool to hear about that experience. Plus, Brian's like got some sizzling hot takes uh, for the rest of the season. He's got some heaters to drop. So it's a great conversation. We hope that you stick around for all of that. But let's jump into the meat of the show here, Dalton. Talk about uh, the things we love to see coming out of week nine. You know, we gave Travis Fulgham the quote, he's actually good treatment a few weeks ago. I think it's time for Brandon Cooks this week because this was a guy, Brandon Cooks, that I was like, ready to kind of all out fade um, during the last week of the BOB treatment. You know, he, he gets the uh, he gets that goose egg performance in a, in a good spot. Bill O'Brien gets fired since then. He has been cooking. He's wide receiver six in PPR. He's wide receiver seven in expected fantasy points per game. This all comes from Marvin Eloquin over at the fantasy footballers wide receiver nine in target share wide receiver 24 in air yard share. Um, he's been he's been on fire from our friend Scott Pianowski. Brandon Cook since the B.O.B. firing 27 catches, 327 yards, three touchdowns, 39 targets. He's had at least nine targets in every game. Um, I love the way the Houston offense is, is setting up right now, specifically Cook's role. Yeah, I, I faded him in drafts, but he's been fantastic. I mean, this expert consensus ranking on fantasy pros this week is the wide receiver 12. And I can't really argue with that. Uh, He has a higher target share than Fuller, who, by the way, is one of the most injury-prone wide receivers. So if he goes down, I mean, his target share is going to be really through the roof. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough not to buy what's happening with with Cooks right now. They they can't run the ball with David Johnson or Duke Johnson, apparently. Deshaun Watson's a super-duper star, one of the three, four best players in the league. And they have a horrible defense. I mean, the setup couldn't be better. I mean, it cooks, and he looks great, too. He look, I mean, all those concussions, you know, he's older. Has he lost a step? No, he looks fantastic as well. So the setup is here is one I didn't quite see coming. But, uh, yeah, suddenly he's, uh, he's ranked in the industry as a wide receiver one. I mean, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and Fuller, too. Like, in a weird way, I thought this offense could be kind of hard to predict because, you know, they have all of these talented receivers, right? You know, in addition to... Um, Brandon Cooks and Fuller, they have Kenny Stills, they have Randall Cobb. Like coming into the year, I thought this might be a tough group to predict, but it's pretty much developed into a situation where it's Cooks and Fuller. And I think that's probably good for the offense. You know, Randall Cobb didn't even have a 60% snap share last week, but Fuller, you know, he's a guy, if you take that, that week two performance where he had zero catches against the Ravens and toss that out in every other game, he has 100 yards and or a touchdown. I mean, he's been on fire right now. He's a top 12 wide receiver, obviously, and he's staying healthy too, which is which is great to see. We'll, we'll you know we'll wait for the other shoe to drop on that. But I, I love this Houston offense because it's kind of funneling through just those two guys. We know their defense stinks, and that sort of kind of brings me to the matchup this week. You know, we talk with Brian later in the show about Nick Chubb and his return to the Browns offense. I think this Browns um, 
Texans game here in week 10 sets up to be kind of a sneaky fun game for fantasy. Fuller has scored in six straight games. I wonder what his career mark with with uh, with Watson. He's scored, it seems like every game they played together when healthy and he finishes the game. So to be clear, a healthy Fuller it does have more upside than Cooks. And he's just the man. What a, what a great play last week. Um, if they both stay healthy, they both might finish uh, as borderline top 15 guys. Um, should be a fun game. I, well, obviously, fantasy managers need to, to monitor Chubb's health. But Kareem Hunt just was such a bust last time we saw him and uh yeah maybe if austin hooper returns uh obviously we need to monitor the situation closely though with with mayfield on the covid list but then again i yeah. guess we could say that with a, a third of the games uh these days <laughs> oh my god man it's yeah it's it's like a it's a nightmare now at this point um i mean if it hasn't been a nightmare all along and i i do think like that is actually something i kind of wanted to bring up with you you know because of just how bad things went i think for matthew stafford this past week you know typically like i, I haven't really been giving guys, you know, the, the downgrade much for, um, for being on the COVID list or whatever. Like, I mean, obviously, but I think we're starting to see now at this point, like I personally believe, you know, and I have no way to back this up and cam will never tell us, but like cam at this point, he looked really good against the jets on Monday night football. I think he looked way better than expected, um, against the bills. Just, you know, despite the fact he has that late game fumble, uh, we talk about Jacoby Myers with, uh, with Brian later in the show. So we can leave that one aside, but like cam comes off the, the COVID list plays terrible, gets some games ahead of him. And now he's starting to play well again with Stafford, like, and like cam actually, you know, had it. I, I think there's something to that. It's kind of reckless speculation on my part, but I, I, that's just sort of where I stand on it with, and then with a guy like Stafford, not the same situation at all, but you know, Stafford hadn't been around any of his teammates at all last week, like totally isolated away from the team And, you know, then he comes out and has a pretty awful game, a pretty terrible, disappointing performance in a good matchup against the Vikings. Like, that's something that I wonder if, like, maybe maybe we need to think about that with Ben Roethlisberger this week. If he doesn't get in any practice time at all, I wonder if we need to kind of keep that in in the back of our mind going, you know, into uh, this coming week. I do think it's something to at least factor in. Um, I liked Marvin Hall, the sleeper. He didn't come through. Marvin Jones did score, but he just looked a little bit of a step slow. So I think it's a combination. Um, it couldn't have helped having to, I guess they said he was d- taking Zoom meetings throughout the week or whatever and trying to learn blitz pickups that way. But obviously there's a factor there. And I think there's enough evidence to suggest that Kenny Galladay and no Kenny Galladay is a big deal for Stafford big, in this offense. Deal, yeah. So I think that that's just, I know it's all, it's easy to pick a skill position player misses, but it seems to me that Kenny G, in Detroit is one of those that's really really important yeah I would totally agree with you let's go to a performance from uh, kind of a surprising performance because DJ Chark was a guy that I was I was nervous about coming into this week with Jake Luton under center but didn't have to worry too much because like right off the bat 73 yard touchdown he recorded a season high in yards with 146 and it was his first time scoring a touchdown since week four so you know, I think overall, going back and looking at that game, like Luton, good, some good things, some bad things. Like, love that he can't. I always love when backup quarterbacks come out firing. You know, like take that deep shot right away. That I think is always a good sign. Instead of these guys, you know, like Ben DiNucci coming out and like it's just clear, like oh, they're running a gimmick offense, whatever. He he doesn't have the juice. Um, so I thought that was encouraging for Luton. But do you think this is more of a one week blip against the Houston defense or? Is this something we can kind of look at as good news going forward for an offense with pretty much only two guys that we care about in fantasy, Chark and Robinson? 
Uh, yeah, he loved to see him making his presence felt immediately. I think it was his second pass, third play from scrimmage, throwing that bomb. So, yeah, Shark finished the sixth highest whopper this week among wide receivers. He loved to see the 12 targets. Um, Luton looked plenty competent. Uh, Robinson didn't only saw two targets. That would be my one, like, uh-oh, hopefully this, if this QB doesn't like to check down as much. But just one game, and they're big dogs this week, so he might be checking down all, all the time to the, to the back. But, um, yeah, it was an encouraging first performance. You like to see the deep throws, the aggressiveness. Uh, but, yeah, with that in mind, obviously the matchup was right as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a good point as, uh, to, to the fact that, um, that the matchup definitely helped in this case. Yeah, I thought it was good to see Robinson at least check in with 99 yards and the touchdown uh, because, uh, again, great matchup, right? Like, Houston stinks against the run. Uh, they're they're one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Uh, not too far off is the Green Bay Packers, though, this week's uh, opponent. We know the Packers uh, can be barreled over by the rushing attack. Um, you know, they still let up Jarek McKinnon to have a pretty decent game. I haven't talked to you since that that uh that tough Thursday night performance there, Dalton, by your 49ers. Um, you know, the Packers are obviously a rough uh, rush defense there. So I think Robinson is still a guy that you're potentially, I mean, you're definitely ranking as an RB1. I think there's no way around it. Bradley Roby missed that game as well for Houston. So really contributed to the matchup. Yeah, uh, Robinson is a top top five start for me still this week. Love to see it. He's been uh, the best uh, fantasy pickup uh, waiver wire gem of the of the year. I don't expect that to change. You're right. I, I complained about the two targets, but he still had plenty of success on the ground with Luton. Yeah. We wanted to thank once again our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, let's break down sort of the things we hate to see. Uh, if you're Kyle Allen and, you know, if if like the one – if you were a fantasy analyst who like the one thing you pre-taped for your Sunday show <laughs> this past week was about Kyle Allen – and your name might be Matt Harmon. You hate to see Kyle Allen going down for the year, um, but let's break down the Alex Smith impact on Washington's offense and see how his play style might impact guys like Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, J.D. McKissick, Antonio Gibson. You know, he has a reputation for being kind of captain checkdown, but in his last year as a starter, 2018, he had 8.1 intended air yards per pass attempt. If you know, eight out for receivers, average depth of target. This is kind of the passing side of that equation. Uh, how deep a quarterback throws the ball on his attempts. That was 16th middle of the road. 8.1 would put him at 16th this year behind Nick Foles, ahead of Justin Herbert and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's really tough with Alex Smith to know sort of where he is physically at this point. You know, he looked, he looked all right to me last week, nightmare against the Rams uh, when he first debuted, but how are you adjusting guys? If you're adjusting at all now that uh, Smith is in the picture here. First of all, I'm a little annoyed also with this Washington game last week. Antonio Gibson loses that fumble when they were about oh, yeah. to you know, start the game up 7 nothing. And Kyle Allen is the third highest CPAE. It's Russell Wilson 1, Joe Burrow 2, and Kyle Allen completion percentage above expectation this season. And I made some futures bets on the on Washington football team to, to win that division. So upset with the outcome of this last week, obviously losing Allen for the season and another gruesome foot slash slash ankle injury in November in Washington quarterback um brutal but Alex Smith looked competent man 17 surgeries um I was skeptical he could do this in an NFL game so really impressive kept Terry McLaurin's 
fantasy value afloat. Uh, J.D. McKissick is definitely on the fantasy radar. He led all running backs in routes run last week, I believe. Um, and Antonio Gibson has like one touch on third down or something. Uh, so McKissick, uh, uh, bring up an issue point that Alex Smith was willing to go downfield, but I'm still more than willing to bet that he's going to be that checkdown artist moving forward. So I think McKissick is the is the main takeaway here is a guy who suddenly could be highly valuable in PPR formats. Yeah, it's so weird to me, man. Like, you know, McKissick is not some pass blocking savant. You know, this is not a situation okay, where it's fair. like, let's keep, let's okay. keep, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with your point at all, because I think, I think it's just the usage of it is weird for Washington, but it's clear that that's sure. what they're going to do because like Gibson is a former college receiver. I don't think we can, you know, no. I don't think we could, there's a scenario where McKissick offers more juice than Gibson does. Right. And like, this is a team that no, should be playing yeah. its young guys. Um, cause it's, it's not one of those situations where, well, we don't trust Gibson and as a pass blocker. That's why we're not playing him on later downs. Cause no, JD McKissick and, and not back there pass blocking, you know, he's out there running around. So like you said, but it, I, I agree with you that he's a guy that if you need help in PPR leagues, like he's going to help get you through because it's clear that that's what the role is. And I mean, McLaurin though, I think was a guy, you know, at this point he's, those of us like me and you Dalton who were aggressive and ranked him as a wide receiver one coming to this year like we look great right shout out to us uh because we are crushing it with that prediction he actually is a wide receiver one in fantasy right now the smith thing i, I thought it was great that he looked competent last week i just am always going to be a little bit worried about about it because i think kyle allen was just the perfect quarterback for like the three guys we care about in this offense like like you said he's completing passes over expectation on a high rate Good news for uh, Terry McLaurin. Pretty good news for Logan Thomas, who had his best couple games of the year with Kyle Allen under center. And it's good news overall for the offense to be functioning and moving for a guy like Antonio Gibson. So I'm a little nervous about that with Alex Smith because I just don't know if he's – I think Kyle Allen at this point of their respective careers might be the better quarterback. And I don't really like Kyle Allen that much, so that should tell you what I think about that. Yeah, no, I'm super happy for for Alex Smith, but it's a it's a downgrade for the Washington team and the the important fantasy players uh, involved there, other than McKissick, who's suddenly now you know a flex worthy option PPR formats. But I mean, I'd rather Gibson, no no question. But I think the the switching quarterback does hurt their uh, their ceilings, Gibsons and McLaurins and and Logan Thomas. But um, man, hope Alex Smith stays healthy back there. I don't want to see Dwayne Haskins. Then it gets it even more, uh, be even further downgrades. I'd, I'd rank Alex Smith kind of in between those two. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that one. And like, I mean, Dwayne Haskins at this point is just one of the weirder, one of the weirder situations out there. And we'll just kind of have to see uh, what happens with the rest of his career. So if you're curious, by the way, since we brought up the air yards per pass attempt leaderboard, here's the top five guys right now. Drew Locke, 9.4. No one is slinging it downfield more than Drew Locke at this point. Not not always a great thing when he's slinging it downfield. Uh, but number two, Carson Wentz, 9.3. Kirk Cousins, surprisingly, turning into like Jameis Winston here, throwing a lot of picks, doing a lot for your fantasy team in garbage time. He's up there, 9.2. Russell Wilson, not surprising, 8.9. And then Matt Ryan and Tom Brady up there at 8.7. I want to talk about Drew Locke, though, because, you know, you could think whatever you want of Drew Locke. I don't know that he's going to be a great quarterback in the future, but um, he's looked all right. And Jerry Judy's a guy who was really impressive last week. I mean, he runs that. I, we know it's the Falcons. The Falcons are like the best matchup for opposing quarterbacks in fantasy right now. But Jerry Judy runs a couple of awesome looking routes. Looks like the transformative talent that he that I thought he was going to be coming into the NFL. Many people thought he was going to be coming into the NFL 
and now that we've got like Tim Patrick's injury, you know, we've got all these other injuries we know about to the Denver Broncos uh, pass catchers, Albert. Oh, what a, what a, what a kick in the teeth. That one was, is this a time where like Jerry Judy's going to just tear up the second half of the season? Cause like as trade deadlines are approaching, he might be a guy that I think people still might not know what they have. I'd sniff around on acquiring Jerry Judy in a trade. Yeah, led the NFL in air yards this week. As you said, it passes the uh, eye test for sure. So Drew Locke is, I believe, third worst in that CPAE category. And people, the, the film watchers were, will swear that he's cost Judy just a ton of yards oh, yeah. uh, over the past few <laughs> games. Uh, uh, Hamler looks like a decent player, too. We'll yep. see if Noah Fant can ever fully recover from that ankle injury. But when you add in Cortland Sutton next year, um, whoever is playing quarterback or Denver is going to come into such a nice situation because, yeah, Judy does look like the real deal. So, yeah, you're firing him up with confidence moving forward. And, uh, yeah, I think the the long-term answer at quarterback is not on Denver's roster right now. But, hey, fantasy-wise, Drew Locke is getting it done in the garbage stats. Well, that's back-to-back weeks is totally putting it up, putting the points up in the fourth quarters. Yeah, no doubt. That's definitely true. Like, I, 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 I agree with you that this is – a potentially fun fantasy environment when all these guys are healthy. Like again, I think Albert O and Noah fan, like the gap between those guys might not be as large as their draft capital would tell you. It is Sutton's a baller. Jerry Judy's going to be a baller. Hamler's got a lot of speed and can run routes like 2021. We keep saying it. I hate, I hate the fact that we're not seeing it this year, but like even if drew lock, I think drew locks probably going to get another year with this team as the starter. Like unless they're in just a great spot to draft a young quarterback, you know, where there's some veteran that John Elway covets cause he's six, six um, or whatever. Uh, I think that this is going to be a good spot. Like for, for drew lock to, to succeed as a sort of poor man's like sort of the same situation with Josh Allen this year where it's like, okay, you might not think he's that good of a quarterback, but, he'd really have to be bad to fail in this spot with all of these good players around him. I feel like we're going to be talking about Drew Locke the same way going to next year, even though I don't think like Locke and Allen, I think Allen is a much, much better football player than Drew Locke is. I'll take it a step further. Look at that division with Vegas, Kansas City, and the Chargers with Herbert. Like, that is shootout every game. I mean, that is such yeah. a nice setup for Denver, man. I mean, hopefully they're, they're – if you want – you almost want their defense to continue to be injured and not you know rebound. But what a setup for whoever plays quarterback for the Broncos in my high next year. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's a really good point. Let's talk about Carson Wentz, number two on that list at 9.3. Um, I continue to say, you know, the Eagles were on by last week. Uh, but I continue to say they're this close to being like a good, normal team. You know, like Jalen Rager, I think like he's still rostered in far too few uh, Yahoo leagues. Uh, Fulgham, we talked about him earlier. He's legit. I think he's a, a quality starter. Goddard, I know his debut was disappointing because uh, it was against the Cowboys and there's just so much opportunity there. But I think like Dalton, I'm telling you, man, like I'm doing my tight end rankings at this point you know, in the early morning for, for, for this week, like we get to, we get to Dallas Goddard at four. And I'm like, I don't want to rank anyone else after that. Right. Like everybody, uh, what are we doing here? Oh, I thought it was going to be the most loaded position forever too. I thought, Oh man, we should even consider starting two tight ends in some leagues. It's, it's a disaster. Yeah. What happened to all these young guys with the crazy workout metrics breaking out? I figured it'd be oh hard to predict which ones, but I didn't know the answer was going to be none. So it's a, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Goddard is, so he was horrible the last time we saw him and you're like, yeah, you're treating him fourth or fifth this week. So yes, I hear you. It's a, it's a disastrous position and the Eagles are getting healthier um, they, uh, with Alex Smith 
Smith taking over quarterback at Washington. They they have this division on lock. I mean, Miles Sanders is going to return too. It looks like so. Yeah, they, they they they're in a very good position there with that to be minus nineteen. You know, have a losing record, point differential. Um, yet to have this division on lock anyway. Yeah, I would still absolutely buy those Eagle players. Let's talk about Tom Brady at number five on that list, eight point seven. And let's do this kind of quick uh, because holy hell. Was there anything more disappointing in, in week nine than the Bucks just absolutely getting their teeth stomped by the Saints? I mean, the Saints looked like the best team in the league. The Bucks literally looked like the worst team in the league. And I, I'm coming into that week saying, like, this, th- this Bucks team is so well balanced, right? But at the same time, you know, the, the Saints get pressure with their front four that's how you beat it's cliche but that obviously disrupts a guy like tom brady who's 43 years old and can't move so it doesn't matter that you have all these great players also this is sort of a narrative take but dalton i'm telling you like having antonio brown out there and having tom brady like you can tell literally tell him like okay antonio this is what you do on this play this is what you have to do because you've been here for two seconds and I barely know this, you know, I, I'm, I haven't been here for that long either, but like, this is what you got to do. That's disruptive to the offense. That's why I didn't like bringing in a B at this point. Like you've already got guys coming back healthy, like Evans, uh, who is just, I guess, completely unusable in fantasy. Chris Goddard, I think, uh, is going to have better days ahead, but man, that was a disappointing effort. Part of me wants to say like things happen and that's it, but that we, that's, you know, we got to do better than that for our job. Yeah, they didn't look great the week before. I expected a big performance. Warren Sharp had pointed out some big splits Brady had but with zone man that looked to be highly favorable against the Saints, and it turned out not to quite be the case in that game. I, I thought, yeah, I fully expected a big Brady game, uh, adding Antonio Brown to Evans and, and Godwin and Gronk. Um, yeah, they set the record for fewest rushing attempts in a game in NFL history, and that included a kneel down at the end. So certainly wild stuff there. Um, yeah, that, but but Brady, I, I I don't think this is some like beginning of the end or suddenly. I mean, he's looked no. mostly good this year, and uh, fewer teams have better better weapons. So I think he'll be fine moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is all good to go into uh, our next segment, which is who got shelled. It's presented by our friends at Planters every Wednesday. Dalton and I, we take a look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups that you might want to take advantage of this coming week. And my pick for who got shelled last week, it's the Buccaneers defense, man. And I thought like as surprising as it is for the, for the, for the Tampa Bay offense to get shut down by the saints. I mean, to get absolutely dominated to the point that it's like, you weren't even like, there was no garbage time, like fantasy juice to get out of it. That was probably the worst, like one of the worst game plans I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, that's, which is crazy. Like they were just, they were so didn't make any, it's like they hadn't watched any saints football this year, the way they attacked them offensively, but defensively it was worse. Like I know the saints got all their guys back, but what were we doing, you know, playing so far off the ball, some of their corners, like not getting up there and pressing, not sending too much quick pressure at, at Drew Brees. Like it was a mess in terms of the Bucks defense. But I kind of agree with you that on both sides of the ball, I think this is more of a blip. Than, and, and like the fact on offense, I think it's the fact they did have to introduce this new player uh, who is high profile. And I think that took away from the overall effect. But defensively, I'm kind of willing to just say like, hey, that just happened, but it's not a big deal. At home in primetime, Breeze's noodle arm, you know, Michael Thomas not 100% back. 
Yeah, 31 nothing at halftime. I'd say that was shelled and very, very surprising. Um, this week, my pick are the Seahawks are going to continue to get shelled. They're on pace to allow nearly a 1,000 passing yards more than any team in NFL history. And that's oh, what yeah. them getting to – What imagine if they didn't face Jimmy G for three quarters too because, I mean, man, they would have been on pace for even more. They have allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks and wide receivers this season. Jared Goff's typically better at home. They're coming off a bye. You look at Goff's schedule. It's featured some real tough matchups. So I expect him to actually have a really nice game here and shell the Seattle defense. So they have no answers. Pete Carroll's like, hey, we expected the Bills to – we had a great – Great game plan against their run. It just so happens they, they kept throwing it too much. Pretty funny explanation, I thought. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, see how it's going to get shelled yeah, again. That was, that was unbelievable. Pete, come on, bro. What are you talking I said that the, uh, that the the worst game plan was the Bucks going in this week. But like for Pete Carroll to say that, I'm like, hey, hey, come on, man. Come back from like 2015. Like the Bills are one of the best passing teams in the NFL. And you went in game planning for their run game, which is like 32nd in football outsiders DVOA. Give me a break, Pete. Come on, come back to reality. Getting a healthy John Brown back too. It was just, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's made no sense. Hilarious. All right, my pick for this week is the Texans. I talked about it a lot on the show already, so we don't need to go into detail. They're, uh, you know, just, they're not a good rushing team. 28th in football outsiders efficiency against the run. They're 23rd against the pass. They don't present a lot of problems uh, from a rush or pass defense perspective. Uh, if if this is obviously contingent on Baker Mayfield playing in this game, um, but maybe it's not even, right? Like maybe Case Keenum can be functional in this offense, you know? And I think guys like Jarvis Landry, who had a ton of volume the last time we saw him, obviously didn't do much because there was like literally a tornado over Cleveland. Rashard Higgins, a guy that, you know, let you down if you played him right off the waiver wire. But if the conditions in this game are better, like not only do I think Nick Chubb's going to, if he plays like come right back and get right back to RB one, like league winning status. I think guys like Higgins and Landry could be undervalued in, in, uh, in DFS specifically, because this is just a bad team and it's an offense that it was going to force teams to throw the ball against them. Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't think it even matters. I don't think Vegas changes the point spread much. Who starts at quarterback? Um, I, I know, I know, Baker's played better of late, but I think Keenan will be a fine replacement. They'll put they'll put up points on the board either way. So that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And once again, we want to give a shout out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. We're joined now by Brian Fischler. He's a comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a fantasy commissioner. Brian, how's it going, man? How's the 2020 season treating you? Uh, outside of the COVID, it's treating me pretty good. I had uh, a couple things. You know, this was that big weekend where you're like, if you lose this week, your season could be over. So I, I skated by in a few of my leagues, and uh, a couple of the leagues I'm just dominating. So those I wasn't too concerned about. So it's been a good year. Well, I appreciate that as, uh, you know, someone who got uh, crushed in a bunch of leagues this week that now you've officially told me that my season uh, is over. So that's good. I can start looking to 2021. No, but seriously, uh, Brian, we're hyped to talk to you today, man, because uh, I mentioned you're a fantasy commissioner, but you're a commissioner of a uh, unique league. So we want to specifically talk to you about the all blind fantasy football league. Hit me with just what what the whole concept behind the league is and uh, how, how it's been going so far this year. Yeah, uh, I am uh, totally blind. I have uh, no usable vision. I can just tell when it's light on and everything. But uh, about f- this is our fifth year. About five years ago, we started uh, through our, our podcast that we do, That Real Blind Tech Show. We started the All Blind Football League because Yahoo does a tremendous job 
of making everything accessible to people with disabilities uh, with what's known as voiceover. So instead of seeing everything in your guys' app, it's basically read to us. And we started the league, and at first there was a little interest, and now there's so much interest, we almost started a second league. But this year, Yahoo and Verizon Media is using our league as a case study to how people with disabilities play fantasy football. And, of course, I'd like to plug that I am in first place in that league. <laughs> yes, I mean, I love it. Not only did you get the Yahoo Fantasy app plug-in, but you got your personal plug-in. Brian, I can tell you're a, pro- a professional podcaster because that's what it's all about. You know, plug plug the brand, plug yourself. That's beautiful. So, like, I kind of want to just right before we, you know, before we jump into the actual football talk um, and, you know, sort of what's been going on with your season uh, and some of your takes for the second half of the year, you know, I do just kind of want to get into the mechanics of all this, right? Because, you know, I'd say most fantasy users are like so accustomed to being able to you know, physically see what they're doing, whether they're researching or, or, or for me, it's, you know, charting receivers, watching games over and over again, hours and hours, um, you know, looking at the roster to, to evaluate a trade. But how is the process different for you and your league mates? Well, thankfully to the World Series, I could sum it up real easily for the listeners. Blind fantasy football players are the Kevin Cashes of the fantasy world. We do not trust our eyes to what's going on on the field. It's all about information and analytics for us and everything. So we're yeah. evaluating all that information out, that's out there. And nowadays, it's everywhere. You know, It used to be so easy where only a few of us were using it. Now that everybody has access to the information that you guys put out and others put out, uh, it's a little bit tougher and everything. But obviously, we can't see what's going on the field. So where you guys might be judging, oh, wow, he made that great one-handed catch, Odell Beckham. Thanks for doing nothing for me for the last two years of my dynasty league, by the way. Uh, It's all (laughs) about information and the analytics and really just diving deep into the information that's out there. One of the things that I always talk about with and you just kind of brought it up with, you know, why I like to do reception perception and sort of all all of the things that go into that is trying to remove that highlight bias. You know, I think especially it can be such a problem in preseason. You know, you're you're seeing these, you know, kind of goofball guys out there, you know, these guys that are never going to make the roster, you know, killing it in preseason. And then, you know, think about that Amir Abdullah run all those years (laughs) ago where he like, you know, just that's like that is the perfect example of a guy that just looked so dominant preseason and then went on to even though he had his revenge game touchdown last week, you know, so shout out to you for that, Amir. Uh, but you know, you don't fall victim to that sort of stuff. So in, in some ways it's almost like that can avoiding that highlight bias entirely can be a bit of an edge for you. Yeah. Watching the highlights, you know, we can listen to them and everything and enjoy them. You know, you've really, uh, I switched about four years ago to listening to all NFL games on the radio and, uh, you know, it's great, you know, telling the A lady, otherwise I'd be setting A-L-E-X-A, I'd be setting off a million devices in here to switch from one game to another. <laughs> and it's great. You know, I follow uh, in the app, you know, who's getting in the red zone and everything. And then it's just about reading the content. You know, people are always like, whatever happened to that book you were going to write? And I say, well, unfortunately, I got really big into fantasy football and fantasy baseball, thanks to Yahoo making everything accessible. So I wouldn't count on that book happening this lifetime. And it was funny during the beginning of the pandemic when there was no professional sports. It was absolutely unbelievable how much stuff I was getting done. But, uh, yeah, so it's just uh, it's really fascinating. And the great thing is. You get a lot of blind people that, you know, have been sports fans their whole life. Maybe they went blind later in life. Maybe they've been blind since birth. 
And fantasy sports is a way for us to connect to the sports and really get a lot of enjoyment out of it and talk some smack with our sighted counterparts. So you mentioned like the data and analytics that you have, you know, you've got to comb through so much. You know, Dalton, uh, my co-host on the show, he's always, you know, dropping the the, the whopper from from Josh, Josh Hermsmeyer or, you know, completion percentage over expectations. Uh, you know, I know those are ones he really is. I love to look at, you know, obviously routes, run stats, everything like that. You know, where guys line up on the field. What are one or two of your favorite uh, advanced analytics that you think are the most important thing for fantasy owners to be kind of diving into? Now, I cannot say the acronyms because they make my head want to explode, but the one that I've really been totally. buying into this year is the yardage downfield on pass attempts. And that has been quite useful. You know, going old school, it was always targets. Well, how many targets did this guy get? That sort of thing. But the yardage downfield, uh, you know, obviously when it comes to running backs and running backs, it's been a complete mess this year. I mean, I know we're all going to agree. RBC, the worst, that acronym I get right, you know, but I, I can't stand running back by committee. And I was big uh, on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Am I hopefully pronouncing that right? I hate when they change their names too. And that's the fun thing about being blind because you know, we have voiceover that reads us these names. <laughs> I absolutely butcher the spelling because voiceover does not exactly always pronounce names right. But, you know, yards after contact is another one that I've always found very useful in everything. And I play primarily in PPR leagues and everything. I, I, I can't stand those standard leagues and everything. You know, it's like, give me give me some PPR. Oh, yeah. And everything. yeah, give us some reception bonuses. We like that a lot. I love that you brought up specifically yards after contact because I, I feel like it's an important one to talk about this week because we got Nick Chubb coming back, you know, uh, or, or activated from the IR. Could be an like, I feel like to me, Brian and Dalton, you could jump in here too. I feel like this whole idea of just like, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, like equal talents, you know, there's not going to be any drop off. I feel like there's a pretty significant drop off from these guys, right? Like I'm expecting Nick Chubb to come back and absolutely tear it up in the second half of the year. I have no shares of Nick Chubb. It's just the way my drafts worked out. And I really did like the Chubb a lot. Same. Year. I'll tell you what, I had Kareem Hunt in one league and he, in my opinion, he wasn't a bust, but he was very disappointing while Chubb was out. I expected him to explode. I mean, did he even have more than one TD the whole time while Chubb was out? So hopefully Chubb coming back will give us that two-headed monster. I'm not real fearful because who's going to catch the ball? I picked up Rashard Higgins in a league. Thankfully, I sat him on the bench the one week he played because of the weather there in Cleveland. And that's another thing for the first time I'm actually paying attention to is what's going on with the weather. And you know, you got to look on game day. Mm. Don't look four days in advance what the weather's going to be, but – that's another thing I've actually found useful because that what two weekends ago, it was very scary. And that, you know, avoiding that Cleveland Raiders game and, and peering off some of those matchups, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs, I've gotten my dynasty league. And thankfully I got him out of my lineup there two weeks ago. Another league I'm in first place, by the way. Yeah, I had Kareem Hunt ranked number one among my all my backs that week. And I think they set a record with just six possessions because of the weird uh. weather in that game. But yeah, definitely burnt by Hunt and DFS that week and looking forward to, to Nick Chubb returning on a few of my teams. I must say, Brian, you have me uh, shook here bringing up Kevin Cash. So you would have also pulled Blake Snell. That cost me money. I had the Rays ticket, to, Futures ticket no, to win the World Series. No, so, I would uh, not have pulled Blake Snell because he was pitching so great and everything. You know, he... I know, but the numbers, though. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I was thinking the numbers, though, right? He was just stuck to the numbers and all that. And, you know, just a numbers guy. 
the way he was mowing them down, and I'm a Yankees fan. I'm here in New York, so baseball was actually dead to me. I didn't listen to one out of the World Series this year. And uh, no, I, 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 I use that Kevin Cash, uh, you know, analogy there. But, you know, if I had eyes, I would have trusted them in that case and everything. I mean, he was just mowing them down. And then you got three guys coming up that were what, combined 0 for 6 with six strikeouts against Snell. I would have continued to roll yeah, with Snell, yeah. definitely. Brian, dude, I have to ask you also, uh, checking out a couple of uh, your, your things, and, I, and I, my main question for you is, on Top Gear, did you, was that really your first try on that drift? I mean, you, if anyone's check it out, check out uh, your appearance on Top Gear on YouTube, and your, your parking at the end is just sick. It's ridiculous. You could have given me probably 50 tries or 150 tries, and I would have <laughs> never been able to pull that off. Was that edited that you did it, or is that really on your first that try? That was one take. They did not edit it. Wow. It was like East Ventura, wow. like a glove. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say like a glove. Yes, exactly. Dude, that's impressive, man. That's unreal. That, that's pretty, it's pretty that cool. That Top Gear stuff, when I did it, it was the most – they had to teach me to drive a stick first that day. I'd never driven a stick. Oh, my God. And when I did it, it was the most frightening thing I've ever done in my life. And at the end of the day, when I was alive, I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> The fact they didn't know how to drive a stick. I still don't know how to drive one. But I shouldn't admit that. But anyway, highly impressive. Thank I you. encourage everyone to check that out. Not only am, do I not know how to drive a stick and <laughs> not even close, uh, Brian's uh, appearance on Top Gear, like you said, Dalton, make sure people go check that out on YouTube. Uh, that made me embarrassed, like how many times it took to parallel park my car on the street uh, during street sweeping last weekend, which normally I'm pretty good at it. But, you know, when, when you can nail that on the first take, it's pretty embarrassing. I got to back in, back out, back in, back out. Uh, you know, so that's a, a tough scene. Tough look for, for me here. In your defense, I did have a world-class stunt driver, Tanner Faust, sitting next to me telling me what to do. So, uh, you know, that, that probably helped with nailing it the first time. If they would have just put me in the car and say, do this. I'm like, there were times, though. I mean, I'd love to see the outtakes if they ever did a blooper episode where – I think when we were doing the donuts, they edited it out, but I, I thought I was going to throw up. I said, grab the wheel, and that didn't air because I thought the car was going to flip and everything. But uh, it didn't flip, and it was a ton of fun. I love it. This is a big show for uh, for us, Brian, because we just had three firsts. Obviously, you're our first uh, blind guest we've ever had. It's also the first time uh, we've gotten to talk about parallel parking on the show. And this is 1,000%. The first time Dalton has ever gotten anyone on the Wednesday episode to talk three to uh, two to three minutes of baseball with him. So this is a huge groundbreaking episode here on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. But let's get into some actual, you know, some some fantasy takes of yours, Brian, because you've been playing for a long time. You're obviously dedicated to pulling out the, the information, you know, consuming games via the radio, obviously consuming all the advanced data. So what is I what's what's what we got? We are, we're accountable here on the on the forecast. We're, we're accountable, whether it's Dalton, whether it's myself, whether it's the other uh, co-host. What have been your biggest hits and misses so far this year? Well, I like to think back to last year because my biggest hit last year was in a Yahoo Pro League round 13, Lamar Jackson. Mm. My biggest miss this year. I decided to go with a different draft strategy. My Yahoo Pro League, my main money league, I had the number two overall pick, so Barkley killed me. At the turn, I took Lamar Jackson, that's killing me, and Travis Kelsey. So Lamar Jackson's definitely my biggest bust. I mean, I think he's dead to me in fantasy. And I'm still rolling him out, and I still am competitive because I've made some great moves. But I had, is it Josh Jackson or Justin Jackson? I just now call him Dawson's Creek because he killed me this week. Me too. And me too. You too? Yeah. Yeah. I was high on him. I had him in half my, I'm in seven leagues, you know, all different kind of formats and everything. 
And um, I think my biggest pickup, which I've had in the all-blind league and I drafted in the last round and I've got him in half my leagues, got him in my dynasty league, James Robinson. James Robinson has been tremendous for me. And I made the great move of cutting Thompson and picking up Robinson, I think, right before week one in one league and everything. So I think Robinson's probably been my best pickup of the year and everything. And, uh, you know, it's it's not overreacting. Uh, my buddies tell me I'm a little quick to pull the trigger and everything. And I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. What are your thoughts? Because he killed me in daily fantasy in a head-to-head matchup. I, I had Tom Brady go, and I lost, like, two points because the guy had freaking Jacoby Myers. Oh. What are your thoughts on him moving forward? Oh, Myers, I'm excited about that. You know, and I, I didn't I didn't know this either, um, but apparently Jacoby Myers, like I saw this after the game, uh, Cam Newton was talking about it, like these guys have known each other forever. He actually like went to one of Cam Newton's like football camps when he was in high school. So this is like the guy and I know this is like just total narrative stuff, but I thought that was interesting, right? Like there's yeah. some familiarity there. I, I was it's crazy to me that Myers and Dalton, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's crazy to me that he didn't get on the field for first for all this time for new england when it's like it's clear they needed it's, it's clear yeah. they needed a playmaker and this guy maybe it's just they thought he was too repetitive too redundant with what they had with julian edelman but I, I, as someone that's spent a lot of time unfortunately watching carolina panthers football there was just a total lack of a, of an ability to separate with the wide receivers in carolina all those years ago and myers gets open you know he can run downfield routes can run short routes like i've been really impressed with this guy and i feel like because they need juice in that passing game he's probably going to be here to stay yeah it's weird that it took him this long to to get the field but a third most air yards this this week i think if he's available in any of your waiver wires run don't walk to get him i mean i know newton hasn't thrown a td pass since week three but there's no one there harry looks like a bust and obviously um edelman's uh out, out for the foreseeable future and that's week three of last season right week three of last season i think with newton that's yeah, how it feels like it's feeling. big I don't think you can start Jacoby Myers this week, though, going up against Baltimore. But I think that I've heard New England's got a nice schedule the rest of the year. And, and again, you got to take into consideration it was the Jets. Ron Jaworski on the radio said, I think Jacoby Myers has run the same pattern every single play. And the Jets just couldn't stop him and everything. You can only hope to control him. But, uh, yeah, it was that was quite an unbelievable. And you've read all the sore spots. First, the, the the Rays, and now you're bringing up Justin Jackson. I mean, I used him in DFS. The guy, he gets hurt before. I didn't even know what happened. I mean, it was a perfect setup. Yeah, uh, you know, Tromaine Pope out. Joshua Kelly falling in the doghouse. A, a great matchup with the Raiders. Cheap DFS price. Dude gets hurt in the first play. I mean, just what a nightmare. That was rushed. Crushed me, too. I had him going in half my season-long leagues. And, yeah, amazingly, I won two of them, which, you know, when you put up a goose egg, you and I kept looking, you know, I'm like, I'm reading, and I'm like, where the, this guy hasn't even been yeah. on the field. How did he get hurt? And yeah, that's, that's, that was an absolute killer and everything. And, and uh, that's just the worst when they put up the, the big fat goose egg and everything. Well, Brian, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. This has been awesome. Uh, last thing, we know you've got your own podcast, and it would be wrong of us, you know, if we didn't let you get a plug in here uh, on our podcast. So tell us about that real blind tech show, and especially tell me about the uh, what's pissing Brian off this uh, segment specifically. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been known to have uh, – actually, it was uh, – this week it's Tom Brady. He was dead to me. Oh, so if, if we fitting. did do a football segment, uh, yeah. But no, that real blind tech show, we talk about the good and bad of assistive technology. Uh, we're, we don't sound like NPR like you guys. We like to have a lot of fun with it. 
Uh, it is PG-13, so uh, we're very popular in some weird parts of the world, which, uh, you know, we have a niche audience, but we are starting to pick up more of a sighted audience, which always blows me away because we do talk about a lot of technology. I mean, people are amazed, you know, you know they're like, are you using an iPhone? Yeah, you know, because it has accessibility features built into it, and no, it's not Siri. We know how much Siri sucks to everyone. And what's pissing off Brian, uh, it's a little segment we do because normally each week there's always something that's pissing me off and uh, it allows me to vent and not take life so seriously. So it's a lot of fun. Hey, we're all about not taking life so seriously here on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, especially because we're talking about a game about a game. Brian, thanks so much for uh, dropping some knowledge, not just about your experience playing on Yahoo and everything that goes into the the, the all-blind league, but also uh, dropping some good nuggets for the rest of the season in fantasy football with those trade deadlines coming up. Thanks so much for stopping by. Really appreciate it. And the last thing I'll say is there's nothing better getting to say to people I play in a league when the season ends. Do you realize you've just lost to a blind guy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dalton. Great conversation with Brian. Great conversation as always uh, with you. And I'm sure you're, like I said earlier, you've got to be loving the fact that we got a little bit of baseball talk, baseball talk on the Wednesday show. I'm ashamed to be a part of such a travesty. No, but seriously, it was an awesome interview. Uh, always good to talk to you, man. Plug your stuff. Tell me what you got coming up this week. Yeah, we're talking P&L week 10 lines coming up on the Thursday pod. And then Friday, my sit start column. And yeah, that was a fun interview with Brian for sure. Good stuff. Love it. Yeah. Make sure you're tuned in to all the things we're doing at our podcast. Make sure you're tuned into Brian's podcast. And while you're at it, Check out all the great podcast offerings we have here at Yahoo Sports, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. My God, it feels like college football always has some weird headlines. I'm sure those guys are breaking it down perfectly over there. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. One more thanks to Planters and Brian Fischler. You can see the Top Gear segment we talked about with Brian in the show notes for this episode. Tomorrow, as Dalton said, he's going to be back with Scott to preview the betting lines for this upcoming week. But until then, we're out of here. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.